my friend, are listening to the Happy Hearthstone. This episode is brought to you, as always, by listeners just like you. Thank you so much, Samurai Flea, Scott L., Nate Dog, Ridiculous Hat, James W., Forrest B., and Electric Mick for making this show possible. You can join them and get some great perks for yourself over at patreon.com slash thehappyhearthstone. And be sure to join our Discord. We're talking over there, sharing deck lists and encouraging one another. Go to thehappyhearthstone.com slash Discord and click on the link to join for free today. had so much trouble getting a lighter started. (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode 193 of the Happy Hearthstone, the longest running Hearthstone podcast in the history of space and time and cards. I'm your host, Andrew Brown, and I am so glad to be back with you. You see, I'm back in Colorado, I'm back in my house, and for those of you who joined me for my walk around uh, the D.C. neighborhood, Thanks for doing that. It was a little bit off the cuff. And by a little bit off the cuff, I mean a lot of bit off the cuff. But uh, I'm really glad to be back and be starting to get into the swing of things. Um, I am uh, back home, and many of you either know from that episode or from streaming or maybe even before that, that I came home a little earlier than the rest of my family because I needed to get back to work, and my wife wanted to stay a little longer with her family. So she knew that that would mean she had to keep the kids because I can't take them to work with me. So um, so I came back and I am in the midst of an entire week uh, going solo. And so that has amounted to me being able to get a lot done around the house. I am sleeping like I've never slept before. Actually, it's funny. The very first night, I literally woke up three different times because... I was nervous that my children hadn't woken me up, even though they weren't in the same house as I was, if you're following the story. Uh, I had actually the first of those three times I woke up and had that really disorienting, like, I'm not in the house I'm supposed to be in right now. Like this, uh, where am I? It took me a minute to remember, oh yeah, I came home. I should be here. My family's in D.C. That's okay. (laughs) And so, so it's been a nice change of pace. Uh, you know, I love my family, but goodness, uh, having a little bit of time to breathe, get some stuff done, take care of myself has been um, has been really nice. So I'm thankful for this season. Uh, really looking forward to getting back here. Um, actually, as this episode drops, I will go and get them tonight uh, at 10 p.m. at Denver. That is a pretty late flight, but we'll make it. It'll be okay. So um, really excited to talk with all of you. And I have got so much that I'm happy about. Where do I even begin? Well, the first thing I'll begin with is this candle uh, that I commented on at the beginning here. Uh, Many of you uh, caught it during my streams, but I got a soy candle for my parents for uh, Christmas. And it is Fruit Loops scented. And I cannot tell you how much it smells like opening up a box of Fruit Loops and smelling it. Like, it is insane how identical the flavor is. This sugary, fruity, beautiful thing. And my wife told me that I needed to burn it while she was not here. Uh, and, yeah, I've been enjoying it like crazy. In fact, I just need to get a little... Mmm, it's so nice. You know, take candle. I had to. Uh, so that's that's one very small reason why I'm happy. One big thing that I wanted to do while my family was out is spend some great time with you all and with the community on Twitch. And I had a lot of streams. So on, I think it was Saturday was the first stream that I did. No, I did one Friday night also. Friday night I did a stream for a couple hours. Friday I did a midday stream for three hours and an evening stream for three hours. And then uh, Sunday... I got to jump on my friend Guy Grumpy's stream for three hours, and um, oh, that, that's right, that's what I did. Um, I got on um, Wednesday on January 1st on Major Death's stream. Sorry, I was like, I know I got on something before that. So Major Death and I hung out midday on a Wednesday when I got back in. Then uh, several per- several streams on my channel, Guy Grumpy, and then I did a quick uh, two-hour stream uh, close after that. So 
Um, my goodness, so here's the deal. The, the thing I wanted to do while I was streaming is connect with all of you, but if you've been listening to the podcast for a few episodes, you may remember that the episode I had my friend uh, Jay Miller on, uh, right before, literally five minutes before we're about to hit the record button, I sit down with my mic to plug in my uh, the cord for it, and the wiring inside the microphone collapses within itself, and I cannot plug it in. And I'm trying to get in there with tweezers and stuff, but I just can't. Uh, I can't get it out to actually um, get it to function. So I had to record that on um, some Apple <laughs> uh, headphones. I'm thankful enough I was able to find a backup at work that I could use for a short time, but I know I needed to get one for myself. And since we didn't anticipate that, I thought it would be really fun to involve the community in getting a new mic for the show. So uh, so I did the streaming and set a goal that I wanted to get. Um, it takes about $100 to get a standard good microphone. And my goodness, people came out of the woodworks. There are people who have been listening to the show uh, for a long time who have never interacted with me. I'm looking at you, Lou Rolfs. You came by and it meant the world to even hear from you. Um, but then you decided to go and go and tip towards the towards the mic. And in fact, I, I want to thank everyone by name who has joined in that. I had my good friend Venga Dragon, uh, BR in, in Milwaukee. Many of you know him. Ignatius and I Dom Dom. Um, the Red Viking and Guy Grumpy all made direct donations towards that. Thank you all so much. And then it had a couple of subs on the channel as well from PG Corio and Colby Bear, who was a brand new friend uh, that we made on Twitch. So, um, so lots of love, lots of fun. And um, I am really close to meeting that goal. Um, but I wanted to open it up for one additional week. Uh, for anyone else who wants to be involved in that, pretty close, um, but a few more would really get me there and be super helpful. Uh, if you're interested in doing that, what you can do is go to twitch.tv slash andrewisliving, and you'll find the donation button at the bottom of uh, those panels there. And if you didn't make a donation of $5 or more, I'm going to inscribe your name on the microphone because that's how much it means to me um, that you would help to make that happen. You will go down in the halls of happy Hearthstone history. So again, twitch.tv slash Andrew is living. Scroll down in the description. You'll see a tips section and you can make a donation through there. Um, so thank you so much to everyone who came out. Honestly, I, I didn't know what to expect, but it was another one of those things where you all blew me out of the water. Um, and I'm just incredibly, incredibly thankful. So thank you all so much. And huge thanks to Major Death and Guy Grumpy for letting me come on their streams too. Um, I kind of pitched the ideas to them because I don't typically have a lot of free time and marching in my days. Uh, so I knew I needed to let them know, but they've both been friends for a while now. And so to be able to hang out with their communities was a lot of fun. Uh, Guy Grumpy and I played some Galacron Shaman and Mage of Death. Sorry, man, it's been a while now. I can't remember what we played, actually. I'm going to look it up while I'm talking. But um, it was so much fun hanging out with both of them and getting to know their communities a little bit more. Um, if you are not following either of them on Twitch, I would implore you. I might even go so far as to demand it of you <laughs> to go check out their channels. I mean, sincerely, if you like the stuff that I make um, with the podcast, you're going to love uh, both of these guys. They're sincere. They're um, they're beautiful, beautiful men, and I'm thankful to call them friends. So um, it looks like we may have been doing some zoo with Mage of Death, I think. So twitch.tv slash Mage of Death. Uh, no hyphens or periods or anything. And then twitch.tv slash Guy Grumpy. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at some zoo. Oh, no, it was Galakron Warrior. That's right. He played some zoo before I got on there. And then we played Galakron Warrior... Uh, we finished up with some zoo. Yeah, we 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 played some fun games. So, uh, so thank you so much, everyone. I I cannot help but be happy because of that. So, so let's go ahead and talk about our dear Hearthstone news. There's not much to report, actually. <laughs> and if it weren't for a single tweet over the weekend from Ixar, we would sincerely have uh, nothing. But I thought it would be fair to also mention that uh, Dame Hazelbark and the Wintervale bundle 
is uh, has gone away as this uh, episode is releasing. Uh, if you're listening to this right when it's releasing or early uh, because you're a Patreon uh, member, then you do have a little bit of time left. Uh, that's the $25 for 30 packs and Dame Hazelbark. I did go ahead and splurge on it because there were some fun decks that I wanted to play with uh, some Sludge Slurpers and Mogu Flesh Shapers, and I thought, why not? And I didn't get those. So, <laughs> But I did get a golden... Um, what did I get? It was a golden epic that I can't even remember. Actually, that was a Descent of Dragons pack. Never mind. So, um, so I did get some dust in order to make them. Uh, but who knows what's actually going to be coming. I think also Sylvanas Windrunner is actually rotating out of the shop. So I wonder if we're actually going to see something the day that this is uh, coming out. Because, of course, that's exactly when things happen sometimes. <laughs> this is right when the podcast releases. Uh, but let's talk some more hypothetical um, hype hypotheticals here. Ixar tweeted out on uh, January 4th on Saturday at 5.40 p.m. He said, planning another balance patch. Whoa. I added in the whoa. We'll share some more information next week as we solidify. Some of the Galakron decks are just a touch more powerful than they need to be to be successful. Also contemplating light changes to non-Galakron archetypes like Pirate War and DR Rogue. So he goes on to see a little bit more, which I'll get to in a sec, but there's a lot to cover here. So um, interesting, uh, great that there's communication here. I think that especially when it, there's been a dry season of hearing things, um, and over the holidays, totally understand, so it's not like I'm sitting here waiting for it. Um, but uh, but I, I think it's great just to give some kind of a heads up that that there's something coming. I personally like that. I know some people will say, uh, you know, I don't want to know about it until it's live or, um, you know, teasing me like that just makes me want to play less, um, you know, to each their own. But for me personally, I like hearing that a change is coming and having some kind of an idea that, okay, if I have restlessness about the current state of things on the ladder, that won't um, that won't remain for much longer, essentially. So some of the Galakron decks are just a touch more powerful than they need to be to be successful. I love the way he worded this. I, I, I love communication. It's something that I've, I've been gifted at for a while, um, wordplay and choosing words and stuff. And I think that this is a great way to say what's true about uh, Galakron decks. It's not that they are just insanely overpowered. It's that they're a touch more powerful than they need to be to remain strong decks. So I think that's great. Uh, this poses a lot of questions, obviously. Are they going to change the way that Galakrond operates overall? Uh, meaning something to the invoke mechanic or how to upgrade Galakrond. Maybe something with the 5-2 claw that you get in the final phase of Galakrond. Um, those are the kind of things that could be across the board. The fact that he says some of the Galakrond decks makes me think that there are more targeted things within the arc, the classes that they're going to do. Um, but if I were to guess here, I would say that the claw is probably the easiest thing to um, to manipulate in some way. It's tough because like I I I feel like I get why they would want to put that five two claw in the final. Uh, form of Galakrond. Galakrond is like the king, the prince, the uh, the emperor of all dragons, right? And so for him to be super powerful is within the right flavor of the game, I think, or the lore of World of Warcraft, essentially. And if you're upgrading him, you want that final phase to truly feel powerful. Um, a 5-2 claw is very powerful. And so I think that they um, that they probably went with that because anything less than that uh, isn't going to feel very powerful. I saw somebody uh, propose that instead of a 5-2 claw, it's a 3-2 claw. Um, you're telling me that I'm getting a fiery war axe. That just doesn't feel like, boom, I slam this down and I do something crazy. Um, I think that I'd like to see it be a 5-1 claw. I think that that's still, like the fact that you can deal with something or you can deal some damage to face, uh, I feel like that's still really good. It's uh, It's not a lot, but especially while we have Shutterwalk, I think that it's it's it, it would balance things across the board, essentially. 
Um, in my in my humble opinion, these are these are very much opinions and not facts. Right? <laughs> when you're when you're speculating about how to change cards in order to make things more balanced, um, I think that. For the most part, all of the effects of Galakrond are perfectly fine, except, of course, Shaman, right? Um, the 8-8s eight with Rush are just insane. And especially with Shutterwalk, getting them again is, is beyond insane. And I've heard a lot of people say that they should half the health of all of the elementals. I think that that's just weird and doesn't... It, it, it's just not... Um, what's the word? Intuitive? So what I'd like to see is I'd like to see the three different forms of Shaman be 2-2 two, two Elementals with Rush, 4-4 four, four Elementals with Rush, and 6-6 six, six Elementals with Rush. I think that that still continues to stack. It makes sense. 6-6s six, are still pretty powerful, but it takes some of the edge off and doesn't make them just, you know, giants. Um, so, I, and I, honestly, now that I think about it, I don't know if that would be enough, but I feel like that would at least be a touch to still make... Uh, to still keep them powerful. Um, and maybe with um, with Warrior, you change it from um, 1, 2, and 4 cards that you draw to 1, 2, and 3. I think if you do that, you have to do the same to Rogue also, which I don't mind. And then with um, Warlock, you probably have to do the same thing too, but I'd be okay if they kept it at 1, 2, and 4. Um, I, I did play some Galakron Zoo, and... Man, I, it's not Galakron that's powerful in those decks. It's everything else, right? In fact, honestly, I would consider playing a Zoo deck with the Invoke cards, but no Galakrond. Um, that's probably not right, but <laughs> it just never felt like the demons I got off of it really uh, made the impact that I wanted them to. So uh, those are the big things. I think the other part also are the cards that... Um, that give you uh, additional benefit from the invoke mechanics. So big one is Dragon's Pack. People have been talking about that and wondering if that was going to be part of the last round of nerfs, and it wasn't. Uh, I think that you make those um, those wolves four sixes with taunt, so I think that's plus two, plus two, instead of plus three, plus three, and they're still really good. You could even change it maybe to four mana if you really wanted to, but I think that it, it's the it's the beefiness of those dragons that's the big problem, or the, of those wolves that's a big problem. You make it six mana, and I don't know that it's going to see play. So I'd like to see the change be the mechanic there. And then Scion of Ruin, good lord. I've played against a lot of Galakrond Warrior, and that thing is crazy uh, once you get it off. And especially the decks that are running Barista Lynchin and Dragon Breeders, you can practically get infinite Scions. And it's it's pretty um, it's pretty demoralizing when they end up getting that, and there's not much you can do. I, I feel like I was playing Galakrond Shaman a lot when I was uh, up against that. And Shaman does not have enough to keep up with that. So it was uh, it was pretty bad. So um, I think Scion can be changed instead of uh, two addition to make two copies of this minion, make one copy of this minion. And it would still be really good. I think it would still see plenty of play. Uh, three mana for two three twos with taunt or with rush is is pretty good, I think. And then especially it sets up for um, for synergy with Galakrond if it gets that plus four plus four buff. I, that's just bananas no matter what. So I think it may I think that you can still do Dragon Breeder and Barista shenanigans if you want. It just brings it down a touch. And it sounds like that's where they're going with this. Is that they want to modify things slightly so that things stay powerful but aren't just overwhelming. Because uh, as we jump into the metal later in this episode, you'll see that Galakron is across the board the strongest strategy um, right now. And it doesn't really matter which class you're playing except poor priests um, who uh, are going for a quest instead. So they, they've got a viable deck, so it's okay. <laughs> but um, Yeah, those are the big changes that I think I'd like to see. Um, the thing that you'll notice about the way I'm suggesting changes is that I like the idea of modifying how the card works. And the Hearthstone team tends to not go in that direction. And that's completely fine. They're in the seats that they are for a reason, right? Um, but when I think about most of the nerfs that we've seen over time, they've changed mana costs is the way that they like to do things. 
and it ends up making cards really not um, really not playable for the most part. Uh, this last round is probably the strongest as far as um, as far as keeping cards playable, in so much as corrupt elementalist and faceless uh, corruptor uh, more than anything. So I'd love to see that continue to be the fact. I know it's a little messier messing with how the card actually works. But I like, I like those ideas. And actually, we've got two more archetypes that he talked about here. Pirate Warrior and Death Rattle Rogue are the other two that they're thinking about. He says light changes specifically, so not a ton here. Um, Pirate Warrior, um, spoiler alert, but I've been playing a lot of that and doing pretty well with it. Ankar is insane in the membrane. It is so good. And I think that likely the nerf that they would do to that is just make it a four mana weapon instead of a three mana. I think that that would work, honestly, to um, to pare it down a little bit. But I was actually thinking that it might be okay to change the text of the card to um, uh, make or, or add a random pirate to your hand instead of draw a, a random pirate from your deck. Um, now, as I started thinking about that more, I realized that if you get tons of anchors over the course of the game or upgrade a billion times, um, things can actually get really troublesome because uh, with, with the suggestion that I'm making because you've got an endless supply of pirates, which aggro decks should not have endless supplies of anything. Whereas if you're drawing them from your deck, there is a limit to how valuable that effect will be. So... Um, so I say it for the sake of conversation, but I don't think that that suggestion's best. I think probably making it four mana is better, but I I wonder if that actually kills the card and makes it just too slow um, to play it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I could go either way on it, but I'm I'm nervous about that one. And then Death Rattle Rogue, I mean, the big culprit that everyone's been te- talking about is Necrium Apothecary. People were hoping that there might be a change in the last uh, round. Uh, I have had one really bad loss to this, and I think it was actually on Guy Grumpy's stream, where uh, they were able to trigger their Anubiseth Warleader Death Rattle four times, uh, which is... Pretty absurd. I think they had a Necrium Vial, which did it twice. So, um, and then a Necrium Blade, and then they killed it off. So, yeah, that doesn't happen often. And that's why I haven't really been worried about Death Rattle Rogue. When they're able to do that, it's, it is really, really hard. So, I don't, uh, I don't blame anyone for not enjoying playing against that deck because of when that happens. But in my experience, probably like 95% of the time that you're just able to kind of wipe them out as long as you're having somewhat of an aggressive or mid-range strategy. Uh, they can start throwing some um, some punches mid-game that can hurt, especially if they get uh, a Zilliax that's been buffed or the Vicious Scale Hide or something like that. Those can be rough, but outside of that, I feel like it's a pretty winnable thing. Uh, and I think with Nethri- Necrium Apothecary, the thing that I would like to see is that it doesn't actually draw you the card. Um, it just uh, gains a death rattle of something in your deck. And that wouldn't change much about the, the way the deck functions. Um, in, in fact, you really don't care much about drawing the card most of the time because you're drawing a nine mana card that you don't want to play. But again, I don't think the deck is really that, um, that uh, oppressive right now. So that's why... For me, it's sort of a really slight nerf. You can make a five mana, and that would slow it down a little bit. Um, but when it works, it'll still be an explosive, crazy turn with sassy deck hands and stone tusk boars and all that crazy shenanigan. So I Necrium Blade could be the other thing maybe that they change. Um, I wonder if they would make it a four mana, three, three weapon uh, that has the same effect. Uh, just make it longer um, or take longer for you to actually... Um, to actually activate it. Uh, They could actually make it a three mana, three, three, and it would sort of almost be a a nerf, right? (laughs) Because the reason you play it on, I I think that's the big problem and how Death Rattle Rogue's able to spin out is when you play Necrium Blade on three, you attack with it and then turn four, you backstab or coin out Necrium Apothecary and um, run the the second uh, swing of your Necrium Blade to activate it. Um, That curve might be an issue, so. Um, I think that some kind of sort of sidestep for Necrium Blade as a 4-mana 3-3 might be an even smarter change because it keeps the weapon intact. It, it's 
pretty much just as powerful in a lot of ways, but it makes that interaction more awkward. Uh, so you couldn't really coin out either of you couldn't coin out Necrium Blade. Uh, it would be turn five before you're actually able to activate the Apothecary. And if you coin out Apothecary, then you've got to wait three more turns for the Necrium Blade. So I think something like that could be really smart, but we'll see what they do. Um, I, I tend to think pretty differently about these these kinds of things, and that's okay. I tend to really like the changes that they make, too, for the most part. So I'm looking forward to seeing these come this week. And then the other thing that he mentioned is also planning on some small hero balance tweaks for Battlegrounds in the same patch. Battlegrounds has a bunch of plans for cards, heroes, and balance over the next two to three months. Uh, I'll be honest, I've been playing some Battlegrounds and I've been losing a lot whenever I play. And I don't know why, because I was doing pretty well. I was actually really close to breaking 6,000 on uh, my MMR on there, but I went like eight games where I could not break uh, fifth and I, I spiraled down to 5,200, so that was a bummer. But um, but it's still really fun, honestly. I'm still very much enjoying it, even when I'm losing a lot. And uh, so I'm excited to see that there are some some things in the works. I'd love to hear about some of those. They were in such a cadence of updating, like every two weeks for quite a bit there, that um, hopefully they've got their feet underneath them and are figuring out really how to do this more long term. Uh, and in fact, there was a really interesting um, message in here. Uh, there was someone who tweeted back to Ixar saying, how separate is the Battlegrounds team compared to Live Balance? Two totally different teams now. And Ixar said, they were two separate teams, but we are merging now. Mike Denae and Connor Koo are still the Battleground champions, but the team I work on is going to be helping produce content starting this year. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, when I did the interview with Ixar and Melissa Corning for HS Replay, they mentioned that that they were two separate teams that were balancing the ladder and balancing battlegrounds. So there's been a reshuffle, and that makes sense because battlegrounds has really been the strike team that was just working really, really hard to get something out the door. And so now that the dust is kind of settled, it's out there, it's live, it's extremely successful. The team definitely needs to figure out how to best support it and arrange all of the resources that they have to make sure that it wins. It continues to be a successful product. It's fresh and it's fun for all of us. So I'm excited to see that, that, um, that Ixar is going to be um, speaking into those things because he's good at what he does. He wouldn't be in the spot that he is if he wasn't. So um, so yeah, there's there's lots to be excited about here. I know this is a pretty long segment to be talking about uh, speculation and all of that, but it's uh, literally the one bit of news that we have, and it's exciting. And uh, hopefully this week we're going to hear about that. Uh, they did say, or he did say that they sh that we should have more information this week. So even if it's, I, I would expect maybe an announcement by the end of the week of what those things are, and then next Tuesday we'll actually see them live. So. That's exciting and good, and um, hopefully there will be some great stuff to come from that. So usually this is the part of the show where I take a sponsor break. I'll talk about the Patreon and that kind of stuff. Uh, because I did the pitch at the beginning, though, because of the um, money I'm raising for a new microphone right now, I'll spare you that and uh, just remind you to go check out twitch.tv slash Living if you'd like to give to that and get your name inscribed on the new microphone. I'll be excited to share pictures of that once it's done. Um, but thank you again so much to those of you who have given and for those of you who will. So go check it out. And let's just go ahead and dive into our main topic, which is going to be a meta deep dive. Yeah. And uh, we're going to use hsreplay.net. Um, uh, the, um, the caveat I always give is, you know, I am an employee of them. Uh, I also love them. So <laughs> um, I'm not receiving anything for going through um, what's available on their website with you. But I do want to encourage you to check out hsreplay.net because it's, uh, it's a tool I used well before I started working for them. And it's something that I use even more now. Um, not only for my work, but with them, uh, but also for my own personal play. And there, there literally is nothing out there that is quite like um, the amount of data that they get and how they're able to uh, visualize that really quickly. So um, if you haven't ever checked it out, definitely go to hsreplay.net. Uh, you can go to hsreplay.net slash downloads and get a free deck tracker if you play on Mac, PC, or Android. Unfortunately, with iOS, there are system limitations that don't make it possible for us to 
to make an app there. Um, but that's completely free to download that and you can track your collection, you can track your games. That's how I'm able to tell you during this episode uh, what my win rates with certain decks are and stuff like that. So if you're not using those free functions, uh, you, you really are at a disadvantage because so many people are. And uh, if you're not going to like the meta page, hsreplay.net slash meta, and at least checking out what's working mostly for people on the ladder, uh, there, there's lots of free stuff that's available to everyone there. Like I, I'm on there right now and I can see uh, in tier one right now, across the board, all Hearthstone players, you got Pirate Warrior, Galakron Zoo, Quest Resurrect Priest, Galakron Warrior, and Secret Highlander Hunter as the top tier decks right now. And that's super helpful. Uh, you can click on any of those archetypes from here and see which lists are most popular, which lists are have the highest win rate. Um, you can dive in there. One of the really cool features, I, many of you probably don't know this, but you can actually click on a deck list or an archetype and click on the VODs tab. And you can find Twitch streamers who have been using the uh, deck tracker extension and you can watch them play right there. You can see high legend players. You can see specific matchups if you're interested in learning something. It, this is one of the biggest things that I point people to when they're saying, how do I learn this deck? I don't know what to do. Well, you could go on Twitch and, and hopefully find someone who who's playing that, or you can just go to HS Replay, find the deck, and then immediately pull up VODs of Twitch streamers playing those. And a lot of the people who are on there are uh, explaining their plays, talking through it and stuff, so there's a lot to gain from going and checking it out. Um, that's, the, that's the quick pitch that I'll do for them. Uh, and of course, with premium, you get even more filters uh, for the global data, um, extra personalized data um, organization and stuff like that. So it's really worth checking out. And I, I, there's a ton coming in the future. So you should really, you should really stay connected. So uh, good stuff here. So we're going to, we're going to do a meta deep dive. And like I, I already gave you the five archetypes that are at the top here. You know, we've got two super aggressive decks with Pirate Warrior and Galakron Zoo. We got a super control heavy deck with Quest Resurrect Priest. And then Galakron Warrior, Secret Highlander Hunter are somewhere in the middle. They're definitely more mid-rangey. And there are lots of variations of Galakron Warrior right now. There are more aggressive lists that are using Bloodsworn Mercenaries and um, Cruel Taskmasters Inner Rages to do some crazy stuff. There are the infinite decks, like what I talked about. If you play Scion of Ruin after you've upgraded, and uh, then Dragon Breeder, one of them, and then Barista Lynchin, you'll get you'll have four copies of Scion of Ruin in your hand, plus that Dragon Breeder also that you played. You'll have an additional copy of that from the Barista. So you've got four Scions in hand, and you'll be able to get a fifth from that Breeder. It's disgusting. So the infinite really just wants to kind of run the opponent out of resources and just keep laying on pressure after they pull off that combo. And then there's uh, there's more control-heavy Galakron Warrior. I'll give a shout-out to my friends at Hero Power. I actually caught them the other day recording their episode this week. They talked about a very control-heavy Galakron Warrior deck with Brawls and um, Plague of Wrath. And I can't remember the other... Um, the other big cards, but uh, lots of removal cards so that, that you can be more control-oriented and then you get some tempo from uh, from Galakrond and the invokes and stuff and you're able to to just mark them down. So Galakrond Warrior is, uh, is dependent on what you're playing that you classify what kind of deck it is, but there are lots of different options there. So um, I have played all of these. I actually, I don't, I can't say that in this meta and especially this month for sure, I have not played secret Highlander Hunter. I tried, um, Sidisi had a, uh, dragon Highlander Hunter that I played and loved. In fact, I did a video for patrons, uh, this past week about it. And I'm still going to mess around with that deck because I think it has some legs, um, but I had the uh, the Steve Lubitz experience where it worked until it didn't. So, um, I, so yeah, I I'm pretty high on Hunter right now. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just that I love playing as Sylvanas or something. But uh, but regardless, I I do kind of want to jump into some of those uh, Hunter uh, Hunter lists a little more. Um, but most of my time now this month has been spent with Galakron Shaman. And it's really interesting to me looking at this. Galakron Shaman's actually in tier two on the HS Replay meta page. And it's not it's not uh, low on tier two at all. Tier two are all 50 through 52% uh, win rate decks. And Galakron Shaman's at 52.5%. 
Um, I think that Galakron is probably one of the most popular, and I actually I can um, I can see that on this meta page um, uh, by class. Let's see, Galakron Shaman is actually actually represents six and a half percent of decks across the entire um, ecosystem of Hearthstone. So Highlander Galakrond Rogue is above that. Galakrond Warrior is above that. Face Hunter is above that. And Quest Resurrect Priest is above that, but that's it. So it looks like it's it's a strong fifth as far as most popular decks that are being played right now. So I think because it's being played a lot, um, its win rate probably goes down because of that. Uh, if Galakrond Warrior has not been uh, quite figured out as far as which is the most optimal build, Galakrond Shaman has gone through the rig ringer and continues to go through the ringer. In fact, um, so one of the big voices was Ray C, who actually wrote a guide for us on HS Replay um, about um, Galakrond Shaman specifically, because he hit number one legend with it. Uh, and that's that's some expertise. Uh, it is it, you don't stumble across rank one. Um, the guy uh, was actually um, pretty uh, insistent about his list, which does not run Spirit of the Frog. Uh, now, on the other side of things, Vicious Syndicate came out with their Data Reaper report, um, which is also another great read, and they were very insistent that if you're not playing Spirit of the Frog, you're a fool. So <laughs> we've got two very big different uh, different opinions, and both are having success right now. Um, and Racy's list uh, ran Sandstorm Elementals. Uh, he was one of the first that really included Zentimo as a as a core structure, and I think that that's starting to become the norm. Uh, Zentimo with Hex or uh, Earthshock or with Invocation of Frost is insane because uh, with that one in particular. Uh, that's Zentimo and Invocation of Frost, four mana combo that will invoke your Galakron thrice. So you need one other invoke card in order to have a completely uh, upgraded Galakron, which is huge. The, the way Galakron Shaman tends to win is when you play Galakron on seven or maybe eight um, with a uh, fully, or when he's fully upgraded. So you want to get to that fast, and Zentimo Invocation of Frost is definitely the way to do it. And I know a lot of my friends have had a lot of um, a lot of success with the Spirit of the Frog lists. I played a lot of that on the stream over the weekend and did not have nearly as much luck. In fact, I'm looking at my stats here, and it looks like I went five and uh, five and eight with a list that I can't remember where I got the list, but it was. Um, but it was a list that I used, so <laughs> uh, it was probably something that either was recommended. Oh no, I know where it was. It was actually from Gallon. So another voice, Gallon is a grandmaster, and he posted the other day a Galakron or a Galakron Shaman list that he was saying is the best, and he did not include a corrupt elementalist in it, um, which I thought was really interesting and wanted to. I kind of wanted to believe in it, honestly, because. It seemed like um, when when Corrupt Elementalist was moved to six mana, that it wasn't going to fit as well in the curve. I think that's why it needed to be changed because um, Galakron Shaman didn't really have anything to play on curve other than Dragon's Pack, which sometimes you don't have ready on turn five anyway. Uh, Corrupt Elementalist, you just slam down on five. So um, I thought that it was a really interesting take. Now I'm kind of wondering if he was uh, if he was memeing the world. I don't think he was, but I. <laughs> You say a deck is the best, and then I struggle so hard, and it's tough for me to believe, as though I'm the expert on Galakron Shaman or something. I'm certainly not, but uh, but definitely when my experience is so different, it's it's kind of a tough pill to swallow. So yeah, Galakron Shaman. I think it, there's still a lot of experimenting being done. There's a lot of debate that's happening around what's best to put in there. Oh, and then I guess the last thing that I'll add from my personal experience is we played that exclusively on Guy Grumpy's stream today uh, as I'm recording this and he found the winningest list on HS replay which was actually like card for card the pre-nerf one and this is the best list over the past seven days that we <laughs> we've gathered on HS replay so it was running Mogu flesh shapers mutate um, corrupt elementalist um, faceless corruptor and what else am I forgetting novice engineers of course 
Manatide Totem. Oh, and Evil Totem was in it too. I was really surprised. But we did pretty well. Uh, I think we got up to rank four with that. Um, I would estimate we probably went somewhere like eight and six or something, which was pretty decent, or eight and five. There's no way we played that much. Anyway. Um, yeah, so it's interesting to see those lists being debated so heavily. Um, I can't really even comment much on Rogue because my win rate has been so abysmal with Rogue anytime I try it. Um, but there are people who are trying Death Rattle and people who are trying Galakrond and people who are trying Highlander Galakrond. And they're all hovering right around 51-52% win rate overall. I think that these are really tricky decks to play. So this is where sometimes what you see as global data may not be accurate as far as the power level of a deck. Because if a lot of people who are inexperienced with the deck are trying it out and losing a lot with it, um, that doesn't necessarily mean the deck is bad. That just may mean that you need a lot of, um, of playthroughs with it. And there are filters uh, on the premium section of uh, HS Replay where you, can, um, where you can see only people who have played 20 or 50 games with a deck. Um, as opposed to just people who try it, you know, three times and lose with it or something. So um, that doesn't show on the meta page here. But uh, yeah, lots of other archetypes on here. Token Druid, Mech Paladin, um, Hand Warlock. I played a lot of uh, Monsanto's list, which was lovingly referred to as Trash Lock, which runs... Um, when he first made it, it was Elven Archers and Leper Gnomes and Plague of Flames. Then uh, the Crazed Netherwing, which is a 5-mana five 5-5 five, five dragon. If you're holding a dragon, deal 3 damage to all characters. Um, it ran Mountain Giants and Leroy Jenkins, Soulfires, and uh, Nether Breath also is the 2-mana spell. Deal 2 damage. If you're holding a dragon, deal 4 damage instead with Lifesteal. Or deal 4 damage with Lifesteal instead. Something like that. Um, and those cards are very good. So I found a list that Muzzy posted with Dark Pharaoh Takan, and I heart Dark Pharaoh Takan. <laughs> and in fact, I was looking uh, on the deck section on HS Replay, and it's actually one of the highest win rates right now uh, on Warlock. I can't remember if I was looking at Warlock or Hand Warlock, but it was um, it was the highest win rate on there. So I was I was proud of my boy. So it was running those and Evil Cable Rats and. Um, actually, I don't know if it was Evil Cable Rats. I think it was. Evil Genius was definitely in there. Um, so that's uh, that was pretty cool. And I did overall fairly well with that. Um, let me see my, um, my win rate here. Yeah, I had a 57% win rate overall, and I played 21 games with it. Um, so it uh, looks like Galakrond Shaman was a problem for me. Um, but yeah, pretty cool. Uh, that deck plays differently. I mean, we classify it as Hand Warlock right now on the, um, on the website, and it functions mostly like one, so I think it's fair to keep it there, but it is quite a bit different from a lot of the other ones that you'll see that are running uh, the 6-mana 2-2 Abyssal Summoner, I believe, um, that summons a demon uh, with taunt with the stats equal to your hand size. Um, it does run Valdris Felgorge, which is crazy, and Alex Straza, which is crazy. <laughs> so there's a lot of crazy swing turns that you can have. And then Leroy, Netherbreath, and Soulfire just deal so much damage out of nowhere. It's fun to surprise your opponent with, with plays like that. So, yeah, um, that deck was a lot of fun. There's just, yeah, there's just a lot that's out there right now. What was interesting is that after I played and won a ton with that, I actually peaked up at, at rank 4. Lost a couple, got back up, lost a couple, got back up, lost one, won two, then lost a couple. <laughs> and then I just fell all the way back down to rank five. Um, so the deck worked until it didn't, although I think I got to three stars and was just like, ah, I'll just play something fun. So um, then at the end of my stream, I decided, you know what? Uh, one of the lists that was on my, um, that was on my list was a pirate warrior that I saw Cantaloupe uh, took to Legend this month, and he had a really early Legend with that. Um, and I liked the list. It looked interesting. I hadn't played any Pirate Warrior yet since Descent of Dragons released. I've seen some people say it's insane when it works. Um, I wasn't too fancy on just going face. But I thought, what the heck, I'll give it a try. And so I ended my stream on Saturday with it and went 3-0. and I said, that's nice. Um, because I, I had 
all the way to the floor, rank five, zero stars. So ending at 5.3, it was like, yeah, that feels pretty good. So I'm definitely going to uh, play some more games with that uh, tomorrow. And so I jumped on and played a few, and I just went straight up to rank four. I did lose one when I got to rank four, but then I kept going. And I have just kept steadily um, kept steadily going, essentially. I've played 22 games now so far with it and have a 73% win rate. Uh, I'm one win away from rank three, I think, right now. So that's um, that's six games that I lost, so 16 and six so far. Uh, the games I've lost have all been different classes, I think. I lost to two warriors. They were Galakrond warriors that just did insane things before I could kill them, essentially. Uh, and they were really bad draws. So that uh, honestly, those are the those are the worst matches. Is where the draws are just terrible. Um, I did lose to Priest because Priest, if they get enough stuff, it's just impossible to keep up with the amount of health they can get. Um, and when you're aggressive deck, you don't want them to gain any health if possible. So, um, so yeah, I am. I'm really enjoying the deck. I will definitely put it in the show notes at thehappyhearthstone.com. Um, you know, I mentioned Ankar before. I'll mention it again. It's insane. Uh, and actually, I was checking out. So y- you can actually see individual card stats too on HS Replay. And if you click on it, you can look at um, the popularity and the deck win rate. And then Premium, there's this cool little feature that shows you turn details. And uh, what's interesting is you can actually see the win rate of the of the uh, decks that have this card in it based on the turn that it's played. And of course, you've got Ankar being played a lot on turn two and three and four. The win rate of decks overall when Ankar is played on turn three, 71%. That's really, that's really nutty. And uh, it actually, it's just this slow dip into the rest of the game because when you end up playing it late, I mean, uh, Pirate Warriors isn't, isn't going to win late in the game anyway. So, um, that was just insane to see that it was so high. So I do think that it's going to see some change. So uh, so I'm getting in my games before it does. Um, and then one of the other cool things that was in Cantaloupe's list here, he has two Frothing Berserkers, which ends up creating some very interesting strategies where you do end up trading because a four health minion early in the game uh, is something that's very difficult for an opponent to deal with unless they're a rogue with Eviscerate. And I don't think many rogues are running Eviscerate, at least not many of the ones that I've come up against are. So they have to have uh, developed a board already and then be able to come up against you and just do crazy stuff. So, uh, yeah, I really like that inclusion and have had a lot of success with Frothing Berserkers so far. Uh, Sky Barge is also a really crazy card. Three mana, two, five mech. After you summon a pirate, deal two damage to a random enemy. You just, you load those up. If you can play a bunch of cheap minions, you can clear the board or deal some extra face damage. It's insane. Uh, Parachute Brigand is also a, um, just an MVP. Two mana, two, two pirate. After you play a pirate, summon this minion from your hand. It feels like a, a new take on patches, more fair take on patches because if it's in your hand, like it's very strong, obviously, especially if you play something on turn one, like a Sky Raider or South Sea Deck Hand, um, you just get a 2-2 for free. Or sometimes you have both in your opening hand and you have, uh, what is that, four or five worth of stats on turn one. Your opponent can't do anything about that. Uh, so uh, unless they have backstab. Man, those sneaky rogues, they always find a way, don't they? <laughs> so, um so yeah, that's an MVP, but it's kind of fair because it takes up a spot in your hand as opposed to just get, getting thinned out from your deck. So um, so it is a give and take. It ends up being really good with Sky Barge, though, because it can be an extra activator on that. Uh, and then what else? You got a couple Faceless Corruptors on here, which are good for helping control the board. You do have some light board, um, board manipulation. This isn't a straight face deck. Uh, you want to go face more often than you trade, no doubt at all. Uh, but those corruptors are nice to be able to establish the board and maybe um, maybe swing a turn in your favor so that your opponent has to try and catch up. And then there's one restless mummy, which is interesting too. So, 
yeah, I'm liking the deck. I'm going to keep playing it until it stops working, and hopefully it doesn't stop working because I want it to work, and I would like to hit Legend. Please and thank you. So <laughs> that's how this works, right? I just say please and thank you on the podcast, and games were kind of my favor, uh, if only, right? Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying the deck. I would encourage you to check it out as well. Um, you know, as I kind of wrap up this section and give you my how to have a happy time deck of the week, I'm going to tell you to get aggressive because right now with Quest Resurrect Priest being the control deck, uh, there is not a lot happening to get in your way. A lot of people are trying these more mid-game approaches and it's working for them um, because it's mid-game versus mid-game. So... Uh, Galakron Warrior and Galakron Shaman are two of the most popular decks, and I think that's the quintessential example, essentially. Quintessential example, essentially. That was an interesting way to say words. Going to keep on moving. So while those mid-game, mid-range decks are, you know, pawing for uh, vitality, you can have the upper hand by just going, going in. And so Pirate Warrior is the best, I think. Uh, Galakron Zoo... I think is also um, really well statted. And I think for a lot of you who may be looking for a budget deck, Galakron Zoo is is well suited for you in that. Uh, you've already got Galakron if you've um, signed on. Kronks is the other um, uh, the other investment that you probably need to make. I remember in the review episode saying I wasn't sure if I could really wholeheartedly um, recommend crafting it. Now I'm at a point where I would say, yeah, go ahead and craft it if you have the dust because it's neutral. It enables all those Galakron decks uh, that you want to play with and that you have the cards for. So it's a neutral. It can fit into all of those. So it, it kind of checks all the marks. So if you have the dust and you want to get it, go for it. Uh, and I think a lot of lists are running Veiled Worshipper. I don't, it's powerful if you have it in, uh, in Galakron Zoo. But if you don't have it, I, I, I would hold off if your dust is a precious commodity. If you've got it spilling out your ears, go for it. <laughs> but, um, but I think that you could fill in with some other cards. Um, maybe, uh, well, Devoted Maniac is being run in a lot of these lists, so I don't, I don't know off the top of my head what I could recommend. Um, I'd have to see the difference. Actually, I can probably pull this up real fast and make a very fast recommendation here. Um, let's see. Grim Rally, Faceless Corruptors actually aren't in a lot of those lists. Um, actually, I see a list right here that doesn't have Veiled Worshippers and put in Devoted Maniacs, although I feel like I've seen that in most lists too. You could put in Leroy. You can put in Mecharoos. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different stuff that you could... Um, that you could put in instead of the Veiled Worshipper. I think that it is strong, um, but uh, epics are really tough to recommend, especially since you could continue to get them from uh, from packs if you're still investing in those two. I think that one of these two decks is really going to suit you well. Um, Pirate Warrior is a bit on the pricey side, actually, with Captain Greenskin and Ankar. Um, I would say that Ankar and Leroy are critical to the deck, uh, and... Actually, with Ankar probably getting modified, that's probably a safe craft too. So um, it's a risk technically because it hasn't been announced that it's going to get changed. But I would be, I would be very surprised if Ankar doesn't get uh, modified, especially since he called it out specifically in the tweet that Pirate Warrior was one of the um, archetypes. Well, and they said considering, so he didn't commit to anything. So uh, yeah, maybe not. Anyway, do you like my my waffle back and forthness? Uh, so yeah, I recommend Pyro Warrior and Galakron Zoo Warlock. I'll include um, links to, uh, well, I'll include a link to the Pirate Warrior deck that I'm playing that I mentioned that Cantaloupe put together, and uh, I'll put links to HS Replay also for both of those so you can do some digging on your own and find out what the stats say to you. Um, because that's a fun thing, like especially with so many stats and with how much this deck or with this game, you do have to feel things out and figure out what play styles work best for you and stuff. You could read this data and come to different conclusions, and that's great. Uh, so let me know what you think and which uh, what you're playing with this month. Let's go ahead and jump into our community section. Uh, no questions this week and no iTunes reviews either. I would love it if you have not left an iTunes review, if you would go and consider doing that because it takes a few minutes. It is an investment of your time to go and write something out. I'm not going to try and 
uh, and try and work around that. But it makes a massive impact on how people are able to find the show, all the SEO stuff behind it. And it's a free way that you can support the show. So if you find value in this show, if you enjoy listening to it every week, if you've just found it recently and are starting to feel like this is a community you want to be a part of, this is a great first step to be able to give back and to help other people find the show. So go check it out. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it's just a couple of taps away. So it's really right there. If you're listening on Android or Spotify or somewhere else, it, it takes more steps because you've got to be on a device with iTunes or uh, or the Apple Podcasts. So, um, but those steps are worth it because you want to help out. So, so go take those few minutes and make it happen. And in fact, in order to encourage you to do so, I've got a card of the week. I know I skimped on it uh, the last episode, so I've got to come back into full effect with everything that I've got. So here's my card. Are you ready? Can you guess which deck it's going to be about? It's it's like the one card I didn't mention. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Yar har fiddle dee dee, being a pirate is alright with me, even though I'm an aspect named Ithwing. I am a pirate. Yar give me minions. I play a one cost but really get a ton. Can't you see that I'm having so much fun? I am a winner. Yar har fiddle dee doo, give me anchor to coin out on two. Isn't this fun when I'm destroying you? You are going to lose. Yar har, oh no, it's gone, but my friend's here to help carry on. Look at my anchor twist here all along. Love you, horde pillager. <laughs> if you don't know that song, just search on YouTube for You Are a Pirate, and you'll have so much fun. <laughs> so card of the week this week is Horde Pillager. Four mana, four two, neutral, rare pirate. Battle cry, equip one of your destroyed weapons. Good lord, let me tell you about this card. It's crazy. You really want Ankar with this deck. I mean, you are really hard um, hard mulliganing for it. You want one-cost minions. I'm usually okay with a two-cost minion, uh, unless, it's, unless that's only Brigand, then I'll probably throw that back. Um, but every time, I'm really looking for Ankar. And if you get it on the first round, great. Uh, you were really lucky. If you get it on the second one, great. You were really lucky. <laughs> but um, but Horde Pillager is the thing that really takes Ankar to another level. Because when you play Ankar early, coin it out on turn two, play it on three, four, whatever, you go face, you uh, you trade on the board, you're buffing up your Frothing Berserker if you're playing that uh, the list that I'm playing. And your opponent thinks, okay, finally, we're at the end. And Horde Pillager comes in and says, nah, man, keep going. And then you've got another two, three. And the list I'm playing runs a couple of upgrades and um, and Captain Greenskin. So you can end up getting four charges. Now, it, it's important to note that Horde Pillager brings back the original version of the weapon. So you don't get any upgrades that you may have gotten before that. But it's still so worth it. And the list I'm running has two copies of Livewire Lance, which is also a perfectly fine weapon. Uh, it's great when you upgrade it. Uh, it's good on its own. But then Horde Pillager gets you another one, and these little these little lackeys end up adding up to a lot. I had Lethal today with a Cobalt Lackey that I got off of that. So, um, yeah, it can, it can just be what you need to get through. And uh, it's also running an Arcanite Reaper, which I haven't gotten that back from Horde Pillager, but... Um, that would be insane. Actually, there was one game where I was about to, but then they ended up putting up taunts that got in my way, and I was a very sad panda. But I think I still won, so it's okay. <laughs> so Horde Pillager, you uh, one of the big things that I will tell you that you need to be careful about is using upgrade to equip a 1-3 weapon. It's not inherently always wrong to do it, but if you have Horde Pillager in hand, you really don't want to because it will dilute the weapon pool um, to to make it so that you're flipping a coin most of the time because you usually haven't equipped more than one weapon when you play her. Uh, so, yeah, tread lightly. And if you have no weapons in sight, it's okay to get that 1-3 and then get it back because uh, it's, it's something. It's just not going to do much. Horde Pillager is really exciting when you get the extra Ankar, the third Livewire Lance or the second Livewire Lance. Yeah, I really want to get an Arcanite Reaper now, because that just seems bananas insane. So 
Big fan of Horde Pillager. And actually the list I'm running, I think only has one in it. So, and one's enough, I think. Cause as a four mana four two, like on its own, it's not great. It's uh, it's aggressive, which you want in an, in an aggressive deck, obviously. But you're really playing it for that battle cry. So, uh, so try it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, and it's yeah, it's a rare, so you should probably have it if you've been opening up packs and stuff. I would say if you really want to play this pirate deck and you don't have it, it's it's worth crafting one of them and then going from there. Because if you end up getting a second then you're even more okay. So it's all good, right? <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and close out the show. I want to remind you as always that you are the happy Hearthstone. This podcast exists for you. It's sustained by you. And I'm so thankful. Um, I, I, I could go on and on about just how uh, loved I felt, how much love I felt for the show. Uh, and because I don't get to stream very often at all. And, and believe you me, I was rethinking that from this weekend because it was just, it was so much fun. It was so much encouragement for my heart, which is intangible and cannot be gotten any other way other than you giving me direct feedback. So, and many of you showed up to do that, which is great. Um, but it's also just, um, just a great expression of what the community is and what it means to me. So, uh, so thank you all so much for being a part of that and for, for visiting the show. You know, may, I'm sure many of you may be hearing this and saying, oh man, I can't believe that I missed those. I really would have wanted to be there if I had known, or I just had a busy weekend or holidays. And, and that's totally fine. You know, by being here for the podcast, you're a critical part of this community. And so I appreciate you being here. And I want to encourage you to keep looking at what your next step is. If you're a new listener, come back next week. I would love it if you subscribe to the show and uh, listen constantly. You know, go back and listen to our Descent of Dragons reviews, maybe if you haven't yet. Um, and look forward to the next uh, the next weeks. I've got some great uh, guests in the works. Um, people who have been actually uh, who were at me several months ago. I've been behind, honestly, in getting all the great members of our community onto the show. So, um, and things are going to look funky over the next few weeks because I'm actually leaving for a business trip this coming Sunday. Um, but I think I'm going to have an episode on Tuesday next week with a, with a guest. So should be great. And, um, yeah, also I have to send a huge thank you as always to the producers of the happy Hearthstone, Menach, J Miller, number theory, and our brand new producer, Xavier E. So thank you for so much for supporting the show at the level that you do. I got to do some great uh, coaching sessions with Number Theory this weekend. We had a blast. It was so much fun. Um, always fun getting to talk with you guys. And Xavier, really looking forward to getting to know you better too. So thank you all for believing in me and believing in the show and helping uh, for everyone to be able to enjoy the content um, that I'm able to make here. And uh, if you'd like to support the show through Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash thehappyhearthstone and get some great perks for yourself. Uh, and again, those iTunes reviews really do help a lot. So go check that out on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at AndrewIsLiving or on Twitch under the same name because sometimes I'm streaming on Twitch. <laughs> and you could leave on notifications because I'm not going to stream there very often. So you will only get that in the once in a blue moon, and it might be the thing that helps you find out uh, that I'm there. You can also join our Discord community, the happyhearthstone.com slash Discord. I was sure to update every time I was streaming on there. And I think that's most everything. So uh, thank you all so much for being here. Again, means a lot. I'm thankful that I'm kind of getting back in the swing. I mean, like I said, I do have a work uh, a work trip coming up. So my life is not necessarily going to get back to normal immediately. <laughs> um, but uh, but as far as the show is concerned and everything, things will be getting back uh, to normal. And I'm so thankful to just uh, be able to enter into 2020 with all of you. And I hope that you're enjoying the new year, uh, whatever resolutions you've made or things that you're trying to improve on for yourself, keep at it. I'm getting so much encouragement from people on Twitter. I've been sharing sort of my physical fitness journey because I'm starting to, um, I've, I've worked out every day so far this year, and I really want to continue that trend. Um, I've, I've never been truly physically fit and I'm trying to take baby steps to get there. So, uh, and a lot of you listeners have stepped out and really been a voice of encouragement. I can't tell you how much each one of those tweets have really meant and uh, been gas in the tank for me. So, uh, want to do the same for you, no matter if your resolutions are well-defined, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, 
Uh, maybe it's even stuff with work or side hustles or something that you've got going on. Or if they're intangible things that you really want to work on, um, you know, helping other people, being a positive influence. Um, I, you know, actually, I saw, I think it was, um, I think it was, uh, was uh, Mock Sapphire in our Discord said that she wanted to volunteer more or something like that. So, uh, you know, doing those things that can really give back to others. Uh, no matter what those things are, I hope that you really will be intentional this year in growing on a personal level because uh, no one can own that more than you, right? And I think that for uh, each of us who want to get better at Hearthstone, who want to have fun while we're playing this game, there are things that we can do to help that. Um, but there are plenty of other things outside of this game that are honestly far more important, like friends, family, um, the yeah, the influence that you're making on your community and your city. No one else can do that kind of stuff. So really want to encourage you to think about maybe what's one thing uh, that you can start to do regularly, whether it's monthly, weekly, daily, to be a positive influence on other people. So, um, man, just feeling all the, all the feels right now. <laughs> so I, I probably, probably means I need to sign off here. So love you all very much. Thanks so much for joining the Happy Hearthstone and having a little fun with us. We'll see you next time. Bye.